Welcome to Out of the Ordinary, the show that helps you grow a daily life that matters. I'm Lisa Jo Baker. And I'm Christy Purifoy. And today we are back with another conversation about muddling through. This one surprised me. We started with kids learning to drive and heading off to college and somehow ended up with exactly the wisdom I need for heading into the festive season of Thanksgiving and Christmas. <laughs> I know, Chrissy. I love the reminder today that the sacred still keeps company with the most basic needs we might have and that let go our expectations is not a cop-out. Sometimes it's a gift. Get comfy, friends. Here we go. We're not really about tooting our own horn here, but we are definitely about laughing at ourselves, not just with ourselves, but (laughs) at ourselves. And I actually listened to our whole episode from last week, even though I was part of recording it, I then listened and laughed because it was so much nonsense up in there. Bat bites, superhero origin stories, (laughs) and all of the (laughs) computer and technical issues we had with the episode. It just, it brought me joy. And I hope... Dear listener, it brought you joy to you. And if it did, I hope you're going to leave us a review and just share what the show means to you because we like some verbal affirmation when we're sharing our, you know, bat attack rabies prevention PSAs with you. I just feel like it's the right thing to do for you to leave us a review on uh, wherever you listen to, <laughs> wherever you listen to podcasts. <laughs> Muddle through with us. Leave us a review about why others need to, you know, learn from how to go low, how to go low and feel good about it here on Out of the Ordinary. That's that's right. (laughs) And I actually think in this second episode in this little mini series, we are really going to help you listeners feel even better about going low because yes, it is. It's hilarious. We laugh about it. It's sort of our (laughs) anti-brand. Like We don't aim high. We don't aim average. We're helping you go really, really low. But I started reading a book this week, Lisa Joe, and um, a quotation jumped out at me that actually made me realize how how meaningful this muddling through can be. I think we have stumbled onto something quite profound. So I won't tell you what the book is yet. I'm just going to read the quotation, then I'll tell you, and I'll explain the connections I'm making. So here's what I read just this week. Okay, he says, we live anxious lives. <laughs> Hello, what's new? <laughs> Many of us, we live anxious lives, and we live busy lives, afraid of our humanness, And the shame that comes with an honest recognition of it, we devote our anxious energy to our self-improvement projects (laughs) instead of embracing our normalcy and perhaps even our mediocrity we strive to achieve. Wow. So instead of embracing our normalcy and perhaps even our mediocrity, we strive to achieve. And I read this in a book I just started, haven't finished it yet, um, but just started and I'm really enjoying it. It's called Wholeheartedness. Um, the It's by Chuck DeGroat and the subtitle is Busyness, Exhaustion, and Healing the Divided Self. I want to tell you more about it, but first, have you heard of it, Lisa Jo, or is no, it new to you? No, but I am now going to order it immediately and post that quote oh, all good. over social media, I feel like, because wow. Yeah, good, good. I Yeah, I'm really enjoying it. And this quote struck me because on the one hand, it's on brand for us to to celebrate ordinary days, which is a way of celebrating like the not spectacular days and also not spectacular lives. Like we find ordinary lives to be really precious and meaningful. 
I embrace this. I believe this. And yet, I read this and thought, I know what he's saying is true and good, and yet there is still something pretty deeply embedded in me that does not actually want to be mediocre. I mean, that word, mediocre, normalcy, and and so for him to combine that with our humanness, oh my gosh, Lisa Joe, I had to sit with this and realize why am I af- why am I actually afraid of me and my people, meaning like my spouse, my kids. I I think I'm actually afraid that they that we would all just be mediocre, that we would just be normal humans. And yet this book is suggesting that in my unwillingness to embrace that, when I resist that, I am exhausting myself with busyness and anxiety and this constant need to strive, which I didn't think I was prey to because I'm not a perfectionist. Again, something else we always laugh about. We are not perfectionists. Good enough is good enough. And yet, I still want it to be good. I don't want to be just normal. So this book, Lisa Joe, is revealing something in me that I thought I was good at. I thought, yeah, I'm not a perfectionist. You and I, we are both masters at embracing, you know, aiming low, right? I mean, that's what this series is about. And yet here, reading this book this week, it did uncover um, the resistance in me. So I'm realizing that as much as, you know, I'm uh, eager to share these stories, share these conversations, to laugh about it. I guess I'm recognizing that there is something pretty serious going on in me and potentially in some of our listeners too. And I'll tell you just the language he uses here. I don't want to miss out on a wholehearted human experience because I am trying to be superhuman in everything. Um, and so, you know, as we launch into this second conversation, this one about muddling through goodbyes and transitions. I think I'm just going to share my story. I know you've got some stories to share. I'm not exactly sure what what else is going to be revealed, but get ready, listeners. <laughs> Who knows what we'll discover today? I, I realize now there is more to discover, more to, to dig deep and find out. It definitely feels like a peeling of the onion that we did not expect. Yes. We, thought, we always think it's going to be kind of an easy, low bar conversation. But I think therein lies the beauty right. <laughs> of the ideas meet stories that we've talked about in other episodes that we like to pick at both of those threads in these conversations. I will just say, Christy, I wondered as you were talking if part of it is your Enneagram foreness that longs to be unique and to stand out from sort of the mass of humanity, if part of it is yeah. attached to that. And and that you, I don't think of you as a perfectionist, but I do think of you as, like, how can I say this? A beautiest. Like, you want things to be beautiful. And in your striving for beauty, I mean, I feel that way in your space. It's not perfect beauty, but it is a very high level of beauty. And, and, and I think therein also lies this wanting to have, maybe it's excellence is a better word than perfection. It's the artist in you that is trying to create something that might or might not be attached to being a four. And in, I think I'm trying to think about me, like, I think for years I prayed for my children to be mediocre because I felt like it would be a relief 
from a lot of like incredible burdens or stresses in life or anxiety or living a very disciplined, hard life that you hear, like, you know, extreme athletes or people that achieve academically or chess players, like whatever it is, their lives often when they reflect back, there's a lot of pain and a lot of things they've missed. And I've always thought, wouldn't it be wonderful if my kids are just average because they'll have like rich, full lives. And yet I know like if I watch them in sports or what they when they find a passion, like whatever their passion is, they want to be excellent. They don't want to be mediocre. And so I always wonder, is it a balance? Is it about finding a few areas in our life where maybe it's the areas of our gifting and wanting to invest in those talents and see them grow? I don't, I'm so curious now about this book and how it defines like mediocrity versus striving or perfection because now I'm very curious because I I think we're all made up of both both and yeah I think I just have these questions as well I think you have put your finger on something for me that I I sort of imagine that the people who are driven by a kind of well who are driven and striving and maybe made anxious by that are um, striving for perfection and I thought well I'm not I don't I, I'm I don't take that burden on myself. But you're right. I, I put other burdens on, you know, a burden to do something with like the utmost excellence, which is a kind of, I mean, that that's something high to aim for. And, uh, and if I have to aim that high in everything, that's a problem. So maybe you're right. Maybe it's a balance. Maybe it's, it's discernment about where to aim for that. But I, I don't know, maybe, maybe Lisa Joe. I don't know what what would it look like to aim low and muddle through more often but I don't know. I guess this is me saying I don't have the answers yet. I don't know. Do we muddle through always is that better or is it this balance? Sometimes we're muddling through, sometimes we're aiming high. But I have a feeling this week and next as we share our stories, I do think we'll we'll arrive at some answers that will be probably surprising even to us and hopefully helpful, but I do not know at this point. I cannot answer these questions yet, which is Interesting. No, Here we go, I like right? It. Ready or not? I like it. I feel <laughs> curious now as well. So this week, what we're looking at is muddling through transitions and goodbyes, goodbyes and transitions, because these are a part of life, right? Everyday life has got a lot of them. And we are in a season where we've both walked through transitions and goodbyes. And we're trying to figure out how how do you do it? <laughs> How do you how do you do it well? How do you survive it? How do you do it low? I don't I don't even know now. I'm like, what what is it that we're trying to, what is it we're trying to answer? I think as usual, we're just gonna go first and share what it's looked like for us to try and make sense of these what sometimes can feel like big moments. There's they're monumental, you know, a yeah. child graduates, you know, and it has all this pressure and Pinterest pin boards, like what is what is sort of going through that as a, a mediocre and average human who sometimes wants to be great look like? Mm-hmm. Lisa Joe, I guess my story about transitions and goodbyes muddling through is really a continuation of last week's story. So I think if they haven't, listeners should definitely go back, listen to the first in this series on muddling through. Um, here's your teaser. It involves bats and rabies and an interrupted vacation. So there you go. You should go listen. Um, And the reason you should listen is because that explains why uh, my current experience of a big transition is what it is. Mm -hmm. And um, so uh, our oldest recently left for college. So our first sort of fledgling has left the nest. Um, 
But that happened. Her move-in day was actually early the morning after spending the night in the ER for that whole rabies saga. So I think in as we started to talk about this and we're trying to figure out, like, when do you aim for excellence? When do you muddle through? Like, sometimes you just don't have a choice. Right, right. <laughs> sometimes the choice is taken from you. And um, so while I had certain expectations around how this move into the dorm day would go, and I imagined um, some time for special goodbyes with her siblings, a last photo. We couldn't do that because we'd been up at the ER so late and it meant that I needed to let the younger siblings sleep in. It actually meant that I did not um, go with my husband and daughter early in the morning for the first part of her move in. Um, She's not too far from home, just an hour away. And so we made the decision that I would try to sleep in a little bit, have a slow morning, enjoy my cup of coffee (laughs) and meet up with them later. Um, so I missed part of of the goodbye just because of events the night before. Um, there weren't the special photos. There weren't the special goodbyes. There were other things um, just because of our circumstances. And so I think now when I think about how we've entered this new season and how we kind of muddled through an experience that Facebook had told me should be, should look a certain way, yeah. right? I had already been watching Facebook yeah. friends for a few weeks take their their children off to college. And I had seen siblings gathered in the dorm room, like for a last goodbye, shedding tears. And I had seen, you know, a family in prayer. I had seen photos. And oh my goodness, isn't this sort of the problem with a lot of what we share on social media is that it creates these expectations for certain experiences that are always like putting pressure on us, not just to live the experience, but to somehow live it in a certain way or portray it in a certain way. And it had certainly done that for me. Like I had a visual for what this would be. And then that just wasn't possible. Um, maybe now this is like a whole separate conversation. We may have to put some boundaries on this and talk about like <laughs> social media sharing another time. I don't know, Lisa Joe, <laughs> what you think. Uh, but it is implicated, yeah. right? In the pressure we put on ourselves to not just be, not just live good human, ordinary human lives, but to somehow be extra in everything we do because that's what draws our eye online, right? Right. I think expectations are the tricky thing here. And social media becomes problematic when it informs our expectations. I remember the quote by Elon Musk that says, happiness equals reality minus expectations. And I think it's so wise, even though I have take issue with many things Elon Musk says, I think that is actually (laughs) wisdom. And I was thinking when you were describing your experience of taking Lily, but not just taking her, your experience based on the expectations you're seeing around you. When I left for college, for example, there was no social media. I didn't know how it was supposed to look. I hadn't even grown up in America. So I didn't have any sense of like what it was like for other people as they were preparing to come to college. And so it's definitely informed when I think about myself or what I want to do. I feel like Anything Jackson experiences is such a massive step up from my dad putting me on a plane in the Southern Hemisphere and saying goodbye. Like, I, like, arrived at 
college with a suitcase. I had no bedspread, no duvet, no pillow, like nothing. I had no expectation I was supposed to have those things. Some like student student director or something took, you know, the international students to Target or Walmart where we grabbed a few things to sleep on the beds that night. I had I had really like I had no frame of reference. So I didn't know to be disappointed. For me, it was just a completely normal experience because it's the only one I had. Here I am by myself. It's funny, I was thinking about that too when we were preparing for this episode, thinking about transitions. While I don't have a kid going to college, Jackson has started driving now. So he, we're in the car with him and he's logging his hours where you have to have your parent with you still. And I was laughing because I was remembering my experience of this. So once again, like our experiences set expectations and at the time when I was old enough to get a, a driver's license, my mom, um, I'm trying to remember if she had died yet. I don't think so. I think she was still in the hospital because she died right after I turned 18 and you have to be 18 to get your license. So I was still doing kind of the driving lessons. My dad worked all the time. They didn't have like a s- sort of driving schools the way they have now where they'll come pick you up. Like you had to go to a driving school, which meant someone had to drive you there. And there was no one to do that for me. Christy, I kid you not, I would just get in our second car, this old green Volkswagen Passat station wagon, stick shift, <laughs> and just drive around the neighborhood. I was like, I'm doing my driving, like I'm, I'm practicing. <laughs> completely by myself no supervision total violation like to be out there but I had to like figure out how to drive my dad didn't have time and he would be too frustrated when he did and I remember several times getting to a stop street that was on an incline and it's very hard if you haven't driven a stick shift to figure out how to work the clutch and the acceleration and the handbrake to smoothly take off from a stop street and I remember just stalling and stalling and not being able and finally like this older man walked parked his car walked up to my window (laughs) like knocked on it and and he was so sweet he's like hi would you like me to drive your car for you i can pull through for you i was like yes please somebody else's dad got in with me and pulled the car forward but i think about that a lot because when i look at jackson now i just think wow you're so lucky your mom is home i'm not in hospital and i'm here driving with you and so even there are days where I'm tempted to feel like I'm not doing it dramatic enough or fun enough or he doesn't have a cool enough car. Or I don't know, whatever social media tells me. I just, it does help to have that low, low bar of my own childhood <laughs> to go back to. <laughs> right, right. See the silver lining, the unexpected grace of a very low bar. <laughs> I'm knocking my glass over. I'm so excited about the low bar. <laughs> Yeah, like what is wrong with that? So yeah, I didn't actually anticipate that that our st- storytelling would take us into this issue of social media, but it, it's inevitable. This is our contemporary lives so often is that we are um, experiencing certain things through this lens, through this filter of um, how other people have shared or that we might want to share, or even if we don't want to share. Like I... Well, actually, I was I was going to say I didn't have any expectations of sharing anything about my experience taking Lily to college, but that is not true because I made sure when I did get to that dorm room and things were settled that I made sure that I posed the two of us on her bed and got my husband to take a mm-hmm. picture. 
in part because I had seen pictures just like that shared on Facebook, right? Which isn't necessarily bad, but we are formed by like what culture is informing us is meaningful. Because I feel like what's actually happening here is it's a narrative about what is meaningful and how to record the meaning in those moments to like, and part of what makes it meaningful is having other people recognize you're having a meaningful moment. Meaningful <laughs> moment, yeah. And it's a, a big transition. A big life transition is happening now. And it is interesting how psychologically we seem to need. So I, I'm going to pause and say on the bookshelf behind me is a book that I love so much when it comes to raising boys. I've talked about it before. It's called Wild Things, The Art of Nurturing Boys. It's by David Thomas. But the reason I'm thinking about it is he talks in that book about how important mile markers celeb- and celebrations are. And um, not just celebrations, he actually calls them rituals, like how important rituals are in the lives of boys, and obviously in the lives of girls, too. It's just a book about boys. But I guess I'm thinking about that because I wonder, Christy, if it's because in our American civilized Western culture, and civilized is probably not the right word, but a culture that has um, maybe insulated is a better word, sterilized Mm, a lot of the big transitional moments in life, we don't actually have a ritual aside from what capitalism markets to us go and buy all the right things for the college dorm room and decorate it and do a youtube video and post it online and and this is a random rabbit trail wow but my my in south africa where we still have a really strong tribal culture in all the different language groups and people groups there's actually a season of the year where it is this initiation coming of age time and young boys all become circumcised in this winter this specific winter months. And my dad, who's a doctor, always says, oh, it's circumcision season. It's going to be really busy, you know, but it's, <laughs> but it's because it's a coming of age. These young boys are coming of age now. We don't have anything like that. Everything we have is sterilized. And so weirdly, capitalism has helped us mark moments with pretty matching bedspreads and wall art. And the best we can do is take a photograph and put it on social media. That's so interesting because I think that's what's happening. You're not saying I want to be like everyone else. You're What's actually happening is you're like, no, this is a moment that needs to be ritualized. What is our ritual in America? We take a picture on the bed together. Oh, that is it, Lisa Joe. I really think you've hit the nail on the head. I mean, there's multiple things at play here, but that right there has got to be one of the primary things. And because and and that's what's different about like this muddling through conversation versus maybe some of the other conversations we'll have around this topic of a low bar, um, is that we're talking about muddling through things that are not daily are not ordinary, but are um, occasional and potentially momentous, like transitions, like goodbyes, like a rite of passage, which is what, you know, we've been walking through these past um, weeks in my family with my oldest leaving home. Like this isn't ordinary life, even though it is a part of ordinary life as a natural part, but it is not a daily thing. This is not... Um, yeah, that this is a once-in-a-lifetime thing. This is a once-in-a-family experience. It is a big deal. So what does that mean then if we if we need to or want to muddle through? That, I think, is a, 
a really significant question, which is different from muddling through other aspects of our ordinary lives. Like, you know, we just may not be a morning person, so we just muddle through mornings every single right, day. Right, right. <laughs> that is okay. That is one thing. But this right. this is distinct. And, um, and you're right, at least in the culture you and I inhabit, we aren't offered um, a lot of ways to do that other than through, you know, uh, the the yeah ca- consumerism or you know social media sharing and that is significant so one grace perhaps in muddling through um, whether maybe even especially if we haven't chosen it is that the things that are hard to resist like it is hard to go against the cultural tide of marking moments through you know our purchasing power <laughs> or whatever it's it's hard to resist that if we want to resist that um, and we may not always want to resist that there are times like gift giving and things where that is absolutely the the direction we may want to go but if we want to resist it, it it is difficult the grace in muddling through especially when it's just sort of forced on us is that we get to chart a different way and do things differently like by necessity we are just doing it differently um you know yeah, and, and maybe just even that shift in perspective for me is is helpful to see that sometimes um, when I'm not able to do things in the way I'd anticipated or seen others do it, um, that there may be some gifts to kind of unpack in in um, you know however it is that I end up walking through it. And often I think one of those gifts is that you remember it. Like I am yes. always going to remember making <laughs> <Yeah>, just- <laughs> Lily to call it. <laughs> I am oh always going to remember. I'm going to remember how her first weeks there, there was a lot of like phone calls and texts um, negotiating, like where was she going to continue her rabies shots? And should dad, you know, John and I, so one of the parts of a, this transition that's unique to this, right? A, a child going to college or a child leaving the home is that the parents are behind trying to figure out how many ties of connection we keep and how many sort of apron strings we cut. <laughs> and you're like figuring that out, right? So immediately she goes to college and then Jonathan is saying to me that he wants to um, drive out there like a week later. uh, No, no, I'm sorry. Not even a week later, like a couple days later, because he's worried about her getting to the ER and getting the second shot. And so he's like, Christy, I might just drive out there to make sure she gets to the ER. Okay. And she, they get the shot. Okay. Cause this is kind of a complicated thing. It isn't typical that you send your child to college and two days later they have to negotiate some specialized health care for themselves. So so John and I were in that moment have this conversation like the, everything in us is this, this desire to go and fix this for her and make it easy for her and make sure it happens. Um, and I but I was aware of like, oh, but she's, you know, we've sent her off. And so we talked it through and he ended up not going out and um, and and not even sending con- the constant reminder text that we wanted to. Like, remember, mm. remember. <laughs> oh, I'm have so you, have proud you, of you. That's you know, so hard. He, we didn't. And she did it. She got herself up at five in the morning. She drove herself to the ER. Wow. She sat in the waiting room um, and she got herself back to her campus in time for her classes and her meetings and so on. And she did it. But it was a much bigger deal because it wasn't just an ordinary, you know, sending her off. Um, Anyhow, yeah, it just, I think the unique circumstances that we were muddling through just sort of amplified things that are already inherent in a transition like that in ways that are really good and meaningful, even if they weren't what I intended. (laughs) And I mean, I think that is part speaks to that transitions don't just happen 
in that one moment, like when you took yes. the photograph on the bed, that's not the transition. Yes. The transition right. is like everything that was happening up into and after that moment. And I'm thinking about that. And it, I think it gives us grace for whatever transition we're walking through. Because if there's a pressure to feel like there has to be a moment, the defining moment of this transition, whether it's like moving into marriage or having new kids or a new job or moving home, like it isn't just one moment. There's a journey of moments that collectively together become the transition. I was thinking about Jackson, my oldest, last night. So he's 17. He has one more year to go before he'll be off to college. It's so shocking to even think about. And last night, uh, I like it like, I don't know, it was like quarter to 10. Pete had already gone to bed. I was so tired. I was heading to bed and Jackson's like, oh, I'm so tired. I got to go to, oh, shoot, uniforms. I didn't wash anything yet. And this is where I know the transition is working because instead of saying to me, hey, mom, I need these uniforms, he went to his brother and his sister, asked each of them if they needed uniforms to tomorrow. They all brought their stuff. He loaded it in started the wash, lay down on the sofa and said, night, mom, I'm just going to lay out here until I have to move it to the dryer. The whole Aww. thing happened without <laughs> me being involved. And there was a moment in which I sort of felt guilty, like, oh, I feel so bad. Like, I, And then I just said, yeah. no, 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 oh. I've been training them. <laughs> this is payoff because that boy will go to college in a year and he has learned what it means to think ahead. Have I washed? Have I put it in? Is it going to be clean? And he's learned consideration. He went to both of his siblings and asked them and put it in. And I just thought, wow, that's, that is what going to college looks like. Like him on the sofa at 10 o'clock, a year and a half before he leaves for college is part of the transition because there he is in charge of his own business, like making mm -hmm. sure his sports stuff and his uniforms are ready um, without relying on me at all for it. And it's taken much work to get him to that point. And so it was so surprising when it happened. I kept waiting for him to say, hey, mom, are you going to be up or can you do this? And it did not even occur to him to ask me. He just handled it. So I thought, there you go. That is both muddling through and uh, clearing a higher bar than I would have expected. Oh, that's fantastic. That's awesome. Yeah. So I'm kind of returning to like how we entered into this conversation, like thinking about like, what are we aiming for? Are we aiming to live just fully human lives? Or are we always sort of putting pressure on ourselves to to do more and be more and somehow to make every every moment extraordinary, every experience extraordinary? And I just I feel like it's worth bringing up that at least for me, I know for you, for many of our listeners, the um, the embodiment, the literal embodiment of what it means to be fully, beautifully human is Jesus. Mm. Is Jesus Christ. That's so good. God God with us. Like that is um the 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 perfection of our humanity, right? That is, you know, where Adam failed, Jesus didn't. Um and so now like, you know, with that example and um with the life of Christ in us, if you know, we're inviting that into our lives, like we are able to live a humanity that is redeemed that is the good it was always created to be and i don't for one second think that me like 
you know, you, you look at the life of Christ and you just see the ordinariness of it. Like even the resurrected Christ, I'm always struck by like Christ resurrection comes and, and then says, you know, do you guys have any food? Like I'm hungry. Let's eat. <laughs> the human experience. Yeah. I want some fish, you know? And so the things that I sometimes feel like are detracting from or slowing down or somehow getting in the way of the the high bar I'm setting are actually the thing itself. They are the, you know, the the wonder of, of human life. And as ordinary as like now we're hungry. So I'm, I'm thinking as well back to um, sending Lily off. And by the time I made it to um, her campus and connected with her, with um, Jonathan and with her, they had already unpacked everything. Like her room was settled, looked fantastic. We took a picture on the bed, like I mentioned. And then we just sort of sat around for a little while staring at each other like, okay, now what, you know? Um, and so eventually I said, well, let's, let's get lunch. And, um, and we did. So John and I could have, you know, taken off, we could have left her on our own. But actually, I think one of the rituals that is still we haven't even in our sanitized, consumerist culture, we haven't been able to expel, we haven't gotten rid of, um, we haven't abandoned that is mealtime that is gathering around a table. Um, and so we did that. The three of us, get, you know, went and got lunch, gathered around the table, chose our food, sat and had conversation. And on the one hand, we're fulfilling, we're just muddling through, we're fulfilling this just basic bodily need. But it, of course, it's more than that. It always is when we sit down and we we break bread with, with family, with friends, with others. Um, and so that too is a part of that day that I think as ordinary as it was, it, it it isn't isn't ever it isn't ever ordinary to be fed and to enjoy food with others and so to mark that day with a shared meal as simple as it was we just you know went to a place and did the salads you know it was like totally ordinary um, but that too became a way of just marking that time you know have you know that the specialness of just the three of us eating and it's something else that that sticks in my mind and so. I share that just to say, if if transitions and goodbyes do deserve a kind of a, a ritual, a marking, a way to remember, a way of sort of setting this apart and saying, this matters, this is special, that doesn't mean that how we do it has to be some extraordinary, never-before-seen thing. It doesn't have to involve balloon art or... <laughs> <laughs> you know, a homemade food. Like it doesn't have to have anything that might show up on Pinterest. It can be the ordinary tools and the ordinary needs and the ordinary boundaries of ordinary life, like sitting down for another meal that we're already given, that we already do. And yet somehow those become the things that um, are are the rituals we need. So if we're we're looking for a way to mark something as special, we may not have to look far. It, it might be right there, the thing we're already doing. Um, and Maybe, you know, you won't share that, you, you know, a picture of that. Maybe you will, but it, it still is doing the job of, of marking that moment um, and keeping that time in the way that we want to. Yeah, I love that. I think for me, sometimes there's a pressure to have this emotional experience that can feel overwhelming. Like, what if I don't 
feel it? What if I don't do it right? Like, have I missed it? And there's almost something in me that resists that. I, I can't quite get there every time. I actually have started thinking about that as we roll into fall here in the Northern Hemisphere and head toward Thanksgiving and Christmas. It's funny. I've wondered how you'd react if I tell you this. I have experienced a degree of dread, like, oh, no, here we go. I have to make meaningful moments again. Like, I I actually experience it as exhausting, like, oh, now we have to have Thanksgiving and it has to then the tree and... I struggle because there's this weight of like how it's supposed to be and not even, and I'm not even talking about like incredibly beautiful or Pinterest worthy. It's just exhausting to me to have to continue to walk through that. And I think last year what helped is when we were getting ready to do a Christmas tree, I said to Zoe, we're going into Michael's. We are going to buy new things because I don't want to dig out all of these old ornaments that have so much emotional weight attached to them. We are buying one canister of like white, like whatever the most light, non-colorful, plain Mm. (laughs) decorations are. That is it. That and some yarn. I think we used yarn on the tree as well. And I realized when I did that in that moment, I managed to sidestep then the pressure to like relive all the emotions attached to the ornaments, dig them out, the big production of how beautiful is the tree going to match. I just was like, how can I, I guess this is what I mean about lowering the bar in a healthy way. How can I eliminate expectations of others, of social media, of myself, of memory, of family? Like, what does it mean to just give yourself permission to be a human who even in a truly sacred moment is able to just be like, I'm hungry. <laughs> like, I think about mm-hmm. Jesus, I need food. Like, what mm-hmm. is what is the equivalent of that, whether it's my kid driving a car for the first time or going to college or Christmas or Whatever these big life transitions are, what does it look like to give yourself permission to not treat them with all of the weight stacked on top of those moments? I think one of the big transitions for me this year is I moved out of being sort of a full-time entrepreneur who was a writer and podcaster and book coach to now being a full-time acquisitions editor with a publishing house. And I love it. Like, it's a huge deal for me. And yet, I remember what was so fun is that our kids... um they were just ending the school year and heading into summer. And I was starting a full-time eight-hour-a-day job. And I just let it feel to me like a back-to-school, like mom's going back to school, you know, (laughs) it's starting in the summer. And it just was, it, it was something that as a family, we could laugh about and be excited without it having like this extreme weight and significant meaning. And how do I mark this? I just kind of stepped through the classroom door and said, I'm going back. To, it feels like my first day of going back to something. And I, I managed to just, in my own head at least, uh, let go of whatever weighty thing. I didn't have to, I, I thought I'm going to do like a whole big story on Instagram about my new job and what it was like the day I found out the news and I had actually filmed, you know, like me and Micah had been out that night and had all this video I thought I would share. And when the day actually came, I just, it made me tired to think about going through all of that. And I put a, posted a picture of me and my book, bookshelves and said, I'm, I'm going back to, it's like my first day, my first day at a new job and it's fun. And it's enough to just say, to just say that without having to unpack too much. So I don't know if that even makes sense, but I, I know for myself, 
ways to try to release some of the pressure that's built up around these moments in our lives has been a relief to me. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I am with you on that, Lisa Joe. And yes, our listeners know, and you know, I, I tend to love the festive season, as it's known. <laughs> I, I do, but I too can feel the weight of tradition or expectation. I mean, there's a lot of effort. And while on the one hand, I am committed to feasting and celebrating as a kind of discipline, I'm committed to marking time. And especially as a Christian, I'm committed to marking sacred time and the story of Advent and Christmas and so on. Yes, I'm committed to those things, but you can, I, let me just say I, I can take it too far, (laughs) or I cannot be prepared for that one year, or um, I sometimes have lots of energy and time and space for that, and sometimes I have a book deadline, and Christmas is going to happen anyway, and now what does it look like? Um, Well, guess what? I have a book deadline this year, right after the new year, Um, and so I already know I cannot throw myself (laughs) into creating a family Christmas in the way that I might enjoy doing on some other year because I will collapse, I will die, or I will not finish the book, or yeah. I, I don't even know, I'll end up in the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> right? like those so. celebrities who are like admitted for exhaustion. I'm always like, how do regular people get admitted for exhaustion? I'm exhausted also. I need to check into a spa. <laughs> yeah, I could totally end up in that place if, if I'm not careful. And so, so I'm, I'm, I am with you. I think this is so good that this conversation has opened up to not just be about the sort of once in a lifetime transitions, but um, even the more regular ones like this turning into um, the, you know, for us here in the Northern Hemisphere, fall and winter, but wherever we are, um, you know, heading toward, um, you know, the, the winter holidays, that that is a regular transition in our lives that can be really hard to navigate, that we don't always find ourselves in a space with, um, you know, time and energy to navigate that well. And um, I think it's really good that we're starting to talk about this. I, I feel like maybe this is even more than just this week, Lisa Joe. Maybe we need a longer conversation about muddling through <laughs> the holidays, muddling through all these experiences that put a weight uh, a weight on us to perform in a certain way when really all that is asked is that we we be we 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 just be we just live and and maybe our our sort of scripture guide for that is be still and know that I am God I mean so little really is asked of us other than that um, I was reminded too um, I'm sure many of our listeners will be well you know very familiar with this but in um uh, I forget if I was reading something or listening to a sermon. I don't remember. You know how these things just float through your head. But somehow I was in hearing conversation about Genesis and reminded um, about how the the days and the nights, you know, in the Genesis creation account, how the day begins in the evening, which is spiritually very significant because it means that the day begins when you and I go to sleep <laughs> and start. And 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 so the new beginning, the new day dawns with us basically just clocked out, doing nothing, just receiving it. And so if there's work involved in bringing a new day about, it is all on God. It is not on us. And then we get to wake up and participate with this new day that has already begun, um, but it didn't need us to begin. And maybe that's the attitude to take toward the big transitions, driving, college, or the regular annual ones. Um, 
fall, winter, Thanksgiving, Christmas, um, that it, that day is, is coming and it will start and it will happen even if, um, we aren't there to like make it happen and to just shift my thinking altogether that Christmas isn't even the thing I make happen, but is um, the experience that, you know, I get to receive alongside of my family. Now, I know, I mean, some of you are listening and thinking, but if I don't make a turkey, <laughs> no one else will. But you know what we did last year, Lisa Joe? We were a small family gathering, um, no guests. And uh, we ordered Thanksgiving. Me, the, the cook who has made a turkey every year, we ordered Thanksgiving dinner from a local restaurant and we heated it up. I love and that. And it was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I think we need to have a conversation about muddling through the holidays. And I think we're going to definitely have one about muddling through faith. Is there a yeah. kind of muddling through when it comes to faith too? Yeah. Because so much of the rhythms of our lives are expectations on the one hand and reality on the other hand and in the middle is the rest of us and I think that's where mm. the muddle comes from the muddling through because we're trying to hold on to both of those things simultaneously um, and then occasionally there's just a complete disaster drops you know on our heads while we're while we're doing that so <laughs> mm -hmm. if you're mm -hmm. if you're resonating with these conversations we sure would love to hear from you like you could drop us a note um, on Instagram I am at Lisa Joe Baker. And I'm at Christy Purifoy. And we like reviews too. Those are really nice for us. It helps us continue to muddle through on the podcast. They mean a it lot does. to us. <laughs> <laughs> it does. Yeah, encouragement. You're right. Okay, that's another little nugget. Encourage one another. We're all just out here muddling through, but it does get easier when there are, um, you know, friends along the way offering encouragement and saying thank you. So yeah, that's, that's a good one to remember. <laughs> I look forward to these conversations. It feels like the right time of year to prepare our it hearts does. before we actually hit October and November, since my Enneagram 7 has already planned like her costume for Halloween mm. and what she wants oh, yes. for Christmas and how, how what are we going to cook for Thanksgiving? So I'm already needing some like mental fortitude to prepare for this season. <laughs> All right. Next week, come back. We've got more muddling through for you, friends. <laughs>